I'm Gigi Johnson, and this is Amplify Music Conversations, where we captured the voices and music panels from the Amplify Music 2021 virtual conference. Over the course of the panels, you'll hear more than 100 panelists from a wide variety of cities and countries, each working in their local communities to recover from the challenges and changes of the pandemic. You'll hear about new community models, collaborations, and ways of organizing, each recovering and transforming their own music environment. So we're going to get started again. I'm the music programs director at Bohemian Foundation, a private family foundation in Fort Collins, Colorado, although it looks like I'm in Portland right now. Uh, We're going to do some quick intros and then go around the horn and talk about organizing between and within music industries. So I'm going to start off with Serona. If you could introduce yourself and we'll go around the horn. Sure. Hi. So I'm Serona Elton. I actually wear a couple of hats. Um, I am a professor at the University of Miami Frost School of Music, of music industry. And I'm also the head of educational partnerships for the new mechanical licensing collective, the MLC for short, um, in the United States. Great. How about Jeremy? So my name is Jeremy Peters. I'm uh, an assistant professor of music business and entrepreneurship at Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I study music making, creativity, entrepreneurship, and organizing and working on projects here in Detroit, some national ones, and actually doing some studies on how uh, music industries are internationally organizing themselves as well. I also co-own a record label. Awesome. Uh, your record label is? Oh, Quite Scientific Records. Probably should have mentioned that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, you should mention. And how about Lutz? Hey, everyone. My name is Lutz. I'm based in Berlin. Uh, I'm co-founder of a purpose-driven consultancy that is doing, doing research and advocacy um, in nighttime. It's called Vibe Lab. Um, and I'm also a spokesperson of an organization that's called Club Commission. It's like an advocacy group representing 300 clubs and promoters of Berlin. And uh, in the recent month uh, during COVID crisis, um, uh, I started two major projects. One was the Global Nighttime Recovery Plan, where are more than 120 people participating all over the world. And a um, streaming project was called United We Stream that brought more than 2,500 artists on a virtual stage. And we also created communities, uh, digital communities um, all over the world. Great. Thanks. And my bud, Shane. Shane, what's up, man? Hey, Bryce. Uh, Hi, everybody. My name is Shane Shapiro. I'm based in London. I run a company called Sound Diplomacy. We work with cities and governments all over the world on music strategy and policy. Um, We run events called Music Cities Events all over the world. And I've just started an NGO called the Center for Music Ecosystems, um, which is working on kind of uh, large-scale research projects around music ecosystems with the United Nations and uh, a few other intergovernmental agencies. Great. Thanks, everybody. So so we're going to talk about organizations and organizing uh, in the music industry. Let's start with organizations. I'm interested in hearing um, if there are any specific organizations you're working with that are just doing the most interesting, innovative, cutting-edge work right now. Anybody want to chime in? I will call on somebody if I have to. Well, where we can shout out to like very cool things that are happening. Yeah, man, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think I think there's some great work like in the U.S. I'll I'll talk about um, what's happening in Northwest Arkansas. With the Arts Council there, it's called Catch Cash, 
I don't know what that stands for. Central Arkansas Creative Hub. Creative yeah, Arkansas yeah. Community Hub and Exchange. There if I we got go. that wrong, I'd be in trouble. Um, but I think they're doing incredible work kind of bringing the um, creative industries together around investing really at the, the grassroots level in developing content and developing, you know, all sorts of, of, of different initiatives in Northwest Arkansas, which, you know, historically is not known as much as the Austins and the Nashvilles, but um, there's as much going on there per capita than there is in any other place that I've seen. That's great. Who else? And it's been interesting really for me to see how uh, the shifts in the sort of force uh, of all of us having to be stuck on, in, in front of screens has sort of leveled um, the playing field in some ways for some organizations like a brand new organization like NVIA or relatively brand new was able to sort of get this groundswell of support and actually insert policy, get policy change inserted into um, their most recent COVID support uh, support bill with the, uh, the, and the, the national venue operators grant. Um, that's a massive um, bit of sort of cultural change that's happened um, uh, in the, in the States that kind of support for, Arts given it's in the context of COVID was kind of interesting to see. And I'm really interested to see how these sort of things keep continuing on. Yeah, I think I, I have yeah. to shout out to, to more than 64 nightmares and, uh, and advocates uh, all over the world. It's a growing movement. When we started off 20 years ago, there was only one. And now it's in New York, it's in Paris, it's in, in, the, in Orlando, in Washington, D.C., in Detroit. You have all in these cities, you have people who step up, uh, negotiate, help programs, um, you know, try to step in if there's like a misunderstanding between creative communities and governments. And, and it's uh, it's an amazing work that a lot of people are doing during this crisis and makes cities definitely more resilient. Yeah, Israel's yeah. been doing amazing work in Detroit, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. I mean, the, the scope and scale and variety of the work you're talking about work happening in the heartland of the US 64 nightmares all around the Neva Save Our Stages grant that's arguably the biggest piece of federal cultural policy in the US ever um i mean the 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 momentum is substantial it's it's a really it's a fascinating time How about you sir and anything on your radar uh, the thing that's on my radar now is just getting started, really. Um, so, and it's it's not necessarily an organization so much as a um, an expansion of what they do. So, many people have heard about of WIPO, right? The um, you know International World International Property in, Intellectual Property. So, they actually have a, a new initiative called WIPO for Creators and a whole creator platform um, that's is, is just in its launching stages now. Um, that's going to you know provide a whole set of resources, educational resources across the spectrum in terms of not just music but different forms of creative arts. Um, really trying to help uh, educate a whole category of creators who maybe historically um, were not close to the economic or commercialization process for their art and now are a lot closer to it. So uh, keep an eye out for developments in that area. It's, it's early days yet, but I'm really excited about it. That's great. That's fantastic. So we, this panel sort of were chatting in the green room about one of my next prompts, which is, are there any organizations out there 
that maybe should go away, that maybe shouldn't be around. And it was kind of a dare to see if anybody would name an organization explicitly. Now's the time, friends. Does anybody want to A, call out an, ex, uh, a, an organization that should go away or just talk more broadly about um, perhaps organizations, organizational types or modes of organizing that may be fading out? So I can talk about it broadly. Maybe that's that's, that's a weak move, but um, I'm not sure how um, uh, useful these kind of siloed, very specific organizations uh, will be in the future. What I'm seeing um, broadly is that when groups are coming together to kind of come to some sort of agreement, may not be perfect, um, this is really where transformative change is happening. For example, it's before the context of um, COVID, but the music industry, for the large part, um, came together and agreed on the main tenets of, at least in the United States, the um, Music Modernization Act. That was a massive sort of update that was due. Uh, A lot of people would agree with that. And we sort of came together to make that happen. Um, In the UK, the the similar things uh, for support for the um, creative community and some of the work that's actually been doing done to take a look at um, streaming and so on and so forth. That has sort of been this push through and this agreement between a lot of different parties. And these specific entities um, might not be so useful in going in the future. I don't know. I think they're not in the U.S., but I think in some countries, some collection societies need to either be reformed or go away. A lot of collection societies were created, you know, the same way mafias are created in some countries. Being honest, uh, we set up a, a new collection society, well, not we, me. I'm part of it called Unison in Spain in response to what we think was a completely inequitable anti-artist system that was being run in Spain by the existing collection society there, Sky. Uh, I am not their biggest fan, but they have improved significantly since then because we keep taking them to court and winning. But, you know, when you look at the developing world and when you look at how we can how where you live and what you look like should not affect your ability to pursue music as a career. But unfortunately, we have a lot of um, there are a lot of countries where where these copyright agencies are just not artist focused. And I feel like there's an incredible opportunity now, although it may upset some people to rethink what collection societies mean for creators in in these new music markets um, where you know, artists deserve the same level of support that they get from collection societies in the U.S. I mean, you did just call them the mafia, Shane. So we got that on a record now. I didn't call anyone the mafia, oh. but there are some countries where these we'll, organizations we'll are operated in very similar ways. And, you know, sorry. At least we know. At least we know who it is if it's happening. <laughs> so we take yeah. revenge. I, I think... Uh, when we when we started to negotiate um, emergency uh, aid programs in Germany, um, there were a lot of organizations popping up that had obviously a mailbox and representing somebody, and came out with numbers like huge numbers that and everything. And uh, we, as club commission, we we were able to survey in a, in a week all of our members. I think eighty five percent answered that survey. We had like very specific numbers of how the liquidity is how the, the how long they can actually survive uh, without any government help and 
And I think so. I would say all the organizations that are just representing but not really serving the, their community and not really having communication or access to to their own stakeholders, I think they can get rid. We can get rid of them. That's great, Serena. I don't have any additional ones to add. <laughs> uh, I don't. <laughs> I I think that in if you look at what's happened in the past year in terms of what Neva has done. If you can think of it as arts advocacy, which I argue that it is, you really have to take a hard look at arts advocacy in the U.S. and the organizations that are primarily responsible for that and ask whether or not they have been effective, whether or not they truly represent the arts in the U.S., particularly the art that's sort of embraced by, created by most people, which is popular music. And I, I think we have to look at anyone, any organization performing that role and ask, you know, are you truly effective, uh, especially in, in light of what was accomplished by Neva under extraordinary circumstances? So that's, that's my version of... Um, I'm the only one that actually answered your question. Well, you said you weren't going <laughs> to actually name a name, so you, you got out of it too, pal. Ugh. I think Bryce almost just named a name, but I mean, it's interesting. Okay. I think there's this like larger definition of what creative work is and what the music industry might be, what the arts are in the United States, at least specifically. And I see it being adopted all other in other countries where they get this bigger idea that it's not just museums, it's not just nonprofits. But when you look at the economics of it, we put this, we put all this money into, um, into the economy and we need to have we need to be able to talk about that wider definition and figuring out how to organize and to get the conversation between both of these both the nonprofit and for-profit sides of the arts both the in museum and out of museum however you want to define it um, that's when real change will happen because washington or policymakers in capitals will see oh Everybody's talking about this now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, and I would even push a step further that the sort of the notion, it's not a, it's not a type of organization, or it's not a specific organization, but 501c3s as like the sole vehicle or 501c6s that we use to advance the arts as a public good it is such a boring and broken model and and i one of the i think quick and easy cultural policy wins we could get in this country would be to sort of address funding for individuals rather than all funding having to go to nonprofit organizations and that's when when we look at what's happening in the us and then in other parts of the world it's always so hard to do a comparison because we have this gigantic nonprofit industrial complex that has to center all of the work so I, I I could use a little less nonprofits. Yeah, I get it. I'm on both sides. I'm president of a of a nonprofit board, but I also run a, a for profit arts company. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's just a legal structure that, but that's all you're it doing is. the exact same thing. That's all. That's all it is. It's just a tax structure. Um, let's let's switch a little bit to away from organizations to organizing the, the sort of the actual acts, whether it's social movement and political style or simply coming together what sorts of things are you seeing in organizing that that is interesting to you and and you want to call out i feel like there's 
so much sharing and storytelling going on. And it's a really, really good thing for somebody who's learning to get more, trying to get more information about being in the music industry or trying to sort of level up if you want, if you will, um, on their information. It's almost like drinking from a fire hose, (laughs) maybe a bad example, but there's just so much information out there. I, I wonder how well we're doing at making sure that we'll stay going forward. I just don't want it to switch back to where it is, but I get that we there's importance to being in person for these kinds of meetings. Um, the fact that we're from all over the U.S. and internationally in a bunch of different time zones in this chat is awesome. And, you know, I've participated in two panels yesterday, you know, those kind of things should stay. But I'm wondering how, what the after effects might be. I'm, I mean, I would like to, to talk a bit about um, Unite We Stream because we saw so much um, positive coming out of a streaming service. You know, everybody talks about a negative. There is no, you know, the, the finance model is not there yet and, and all these kind of things. And of course, it's not club culture. You cannot um, replicate uh, a sweaty dance floor. But what we see is that it's really used by advocates all over the world. So we, we have it now in, in 100 and. 18 cities uh, united we stream and um, we have now the results uh, how that really helps local groups to be visible to um, to also show them as united which was always a problem you know in the music scene to get everybody together but virtually you get them on a on a platform and Tbilisi in Georgia is a good example there is uh, there you know we all know about these revolutions and the techno scene that that really uh, protested for many years, and now the first time they actually got uh, received fundings, grants from the city, and they send us a letter that is only solely based on the work that we did with with the streaming because they now had visibility. They were able to also use national heritage and 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 really set, centered places because they never could do a party there obviously but they could set up a streaming and it's visible it shows uh we are part of the society we are we are here and um and we are also suffering you know and that is something that that um that i could really see as a very positive uh, movement that's great shane what about you um i'm i'm super impressed with uh from an organizing perspective what looks in this team have done in relation to the global nighttime recovery plan. I think I know that Fitch was on the call as well. There's, there's a lot of people who have done a lot of work to create some incredible um, guidance and advice. Um, and, and so shout out to you, Lutz and Mirik, obviously, who's not here from an organizing perspective. You know, we like, I, I, I think I could talk for hours about how fantastic, you know, Neva is and, and what they have done in terms of organizing, if you think about thousands of venue owners from across the country, each with different issues coming together for a singular purpose or, or a couple singular purposes, um, and then getting, and then the shuttered venues um, support coming through in the, in the, in the second Trump stimulus package is fantastic. You know, internationally, we are seeing, we're seeing a lot of work at the European commission level too. That's really commendable. So for those who aren't familiar, the European Commission has a program called Music Moves Europe, which was part of a cultural program for the last few years. Just this year, it's been carved out as its own specific program, which is a big deal. That music is its own thing rather than underneath other things. And there's, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of organizations that have 
um, worked to uh, to make that happen. But what that means is, and I'm excited about this, and you know, Horizon 2022, which is the big European funding program to fund academic research. It's like the NEA on steroids. Um, one of the targets, sorry, one of the topics that they're bringing to the fore this uh, in 2022 is music ecosystems. And I, you know, I, I certainly yelled as much as I could at whatever wall would listen to me over over all these years. But the fact that um, that there's this this research there's this research grant for music ecosystems where three or four universities have to apply. You have to have this whole massive application process involving millions of euros shows the seriousness that the European Commission has towards music, which is really, really commendable. So I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly optimistic. A lot of good things are happening in relation to organizing, both on the music side and the nighttime economy side and, and, and together. That's great. Thanks. Um, Serona, anything to add or do you want to, I have something else, but do you want to chime in? I'll try to be really quick because I know time is short. And I just really think we have crossed such a major, it's a huge paradigm shift in bringing together people that are not geographically located near each other in terms of how people are educated, how people can organize together for a cause. Um, you know, having Zoom meetings as much as everyone's fatigued by them, it, it to me is a huge game changer in, in bringing together like-minded people um, in ways that just was not possible before when you were talking about everybody traveling or getting on phone calls or even just posting on Facebook. It's not the same. So um, and that excites me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'm we're, curious to see how this momentum momentum goes after. We're also seeing, sorry, just so many more kind of non-music entities engage with music. So as as you said, we've had we've had some great engagement with the United Nations, which I don't think would have happened without the industry coming together in a in a way where it where what it wanted to communicate was clearer to the outside world. So I think that's really, really, really exciting as well. I was just, I feel like we're doing better at storytelling, maybe. And we were able to just kind of the general comment, but we were able to tap into um, a sort of more maybe emotional content or the, the story was more coherent, whatever it may be, this sort of move forward, um, you know, seems like that, that, that story that we're telling is hitting policymakers ears it's tapping into a national nerve a little bit more and i think that's maybe why we're seeing some more success there yeah i think music has has always been used to advance other causes and movements and what happened was as we we saw music as a means of advancing our own cause um i i will say that um what i haven't seen enough of is the organizing of musicians or, or musicians being as formatively involved in organizing as as I would hope, given that many of these policies directly impact them. And, and I have seen some models of unions developing, but I'm really hoping our, our sort of smart DIY entrepreneurial musicians out there are, are thinking about how they can organize. Because if you talk about a political constituency, musicians, if we could connect to each other and have a shared goal we would be formative. So are there any collaborations or connections that you're hoping to see that you're like, we really need this? This is a bit of a pie in the sky moment that we can go out on. 
I can go first. Um, so riffing off what you just said, Bryce, I would love to see the creatives and musicians and performers um, hopefully self-organize a little bit more, just like um, organic or fair trade coffee producers and food producers have before. There's this sort of nascent fair trade music thing going on, and it'd be cool to see that adopted more um, throughout the industry. Great. Let's go around the horn, Lutz. Um, I would agree to that, and I, and I think it, uh, the global atom recovery plan showed also the work that, it's, that 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 we also have to look in the global south. You know, we 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 tried very hard to reach out to a lot of people, but we also saw that a lot of them are not able to vo do voluntary work. You know, because they are they have to survive, and and we have to find models how to, you know, collaborate with the global south more and find ways um, how also to stimulate them. Great, great. Quickly, Serena. Uh, I'd like to see more organizations come together to focus on educational initiatives. You know, yes. I can say through my work at the MLC, we'll have a session about mechanical licensing and get a ton of questions about other parts of the industry because people are so hungry uh, for like, well, tell me about these other things too. And, um, you know, I just, I would love to see more collaborative efforts of respected organizations. So people know they're getting reliable information uh, coming together with, with more educational offerings for, for musicians and songwriters. Great. Love it. Shane, you got the wrap up. I'm hoping for, you know, greater engagement with music and kind of the wider sustainable development conversation at uh, an international and intergovernmental level. I think there's an incredible opportunity to um, invest in music through how governments invest in sustainable development. And um, for the your report you did with the Center for Music. So, so yes, um, we <laughs> no, and, and for those who are interested, we wrote a report. The Center for Music Ecosystems wrote a report in concert with 10 UN agencies, Center for Music Ecosystems slash SDGs, and it's about music and the SDGs. I think a lot of governments, this is how they spend money, especially in the global south. Because, um, and so this is an incredible opportunity to kind of make one plus one equal three. Well, thanks for listening to Amplify Music Conversations. We hope you enjoyed this discussion and come back to listen to our other podcast episodes, either following us in your favorite podcast player or at amplifymusic.org or even on YouTube. And you can find a way to sign up for our email list and join our various groups on Facebook and on LinkedIn. We'd like to thank the Institute of International Business at the University of Colorado, Denver, who sponsors this podcast series, as well as the conference sponsors, Mia, UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music, the Creative Arkansas Community Hub and Exchange, Ben Zugel, Tully, and Lyric Find. We've had great support putting this conference together this year, and we look forward to continuing these conversations with you through this podcast. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.